1: Valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Ooh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Ooh. Two seconds. Middleton. Oh. Yes! Oh. Chris Middleton. Oh. Back jumper. Got, Got it. it! Giannis Antetokounmpo.
2: Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep. Well, sort of. This is the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and I am one of your regular hosts, Ty Windish, but I'm not joined by Rohan Coddy today. Actually, I joined Joey Levin, host of the NBA Morning Deuce podcast, directly after the Bucks held on against Boston last night. We talked a good deal of Bucks topics, including that game itself, and some broader themes, so we figured Eurostep subscribers... Would really enjoy the conversation as well. We also covered a ton of trade deadline, buyout, and other NBA stuff, so you can get a nice look around the league here. If, actually, when you enjoy this episode, be sure to go subscribe to the NBA Morning Deuce on whatever platform you're currently listening to Eurostep on, and go give the podcast at NBA Morning Deuce and Joey at Joseph R. Levin a follow on Twitter. This comes out every weekday. Plenty of great content, and he's pulling in a ton of great guests right now to be guest co-hosts. So subscribe, check it out every day, get more of that NBA fix. Okay, let's get into the episode.
3: Welcome into the NBA Morning Deuce for Thursday, March 25th. It is the trade deadline. We have arrived as we're recording this podcast Wednesday night. We are less than 24 hours from the trade deadline and we have a, you know, a, there's a big slate of games, but not a lot of great games tonight, but I planned on that. I actually did plan on that. I knew there was going to be one great game. I knew there was going to be one great game. That's why I brought on a great co- guest co-host to talk about the best game of the night, the Bucks and the Celtics, and who better to talk about the Bucks and the host of the Eurostep podcast, the number one Milwaukee Bucks podcast, the authority on all things Milwaukee Bucks, Ty Windish, my buddy from Blue Wire Pods. We obviously, as you all know, have been there now for about a month. Ty, thanks for joining me right after the Bucks just had a wild finish in uh, in their game against the Celtics.
2: I'm glad the Bucks blew their huge lead to give us better content. That was very considerate of them. I'm honored to be on the show as a guest co-host, especially on trade deadline day. This is like a sacred day for NBA coverage, so I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited.
3: Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, I love having I I love getting all these different types of voices. Like my like this week in particular, I've had so many different co-hosts. My my regular co-host is on vacation this week, so I've had. Uh, Jabari Davis from Dunks and Discourse. I had Dan Favalli from Hardwood. Hard, I always, I, I always, <laughs> I, I even on the show yesterday when I had him, I was like, Hardwood Knox. Um, but so it's cool. And especially this week, cause we're not, we don't try to, I mean, we're not like an insider show. We're not reporting anything. We're just, we're doing what everybody else is doing. We're speculating. We're talking about where we want to see guys go. And there's so many, there's so many updates and you know how it is with Twitter it just nonstop, so we're going to get into a ton of trade stuff tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about all these teams. Got to talk about Kyle Lowry because that seems to be the biggest trade story. But of course, let's start with your Bucks. Um, you know, I was watching that game and I was watching the Raptors game because I kind of wanted to see what happened with the Lowry situation. So I had my eye on both, and I kind of shifted my focus to the Raptors game because it looked like oh, Bucks Bucks are going to win this game and. Celtics look like what I think they look like, which is a struggling team that's not really what people expected them to be this year and sort of how they played
2: until you tell me, like where, where, where did it go wrong? Um, I think a, a lot of Bucks fans, as is per usual, are upset about officiating. I, I don't think they got benefited necessarily um, or at all by the whistles down the stretch, although I will say Milwaukee just – I think got a little complacent got a little bit sloppy I think especially in a game where Giannis returning from banging up his I think knee I think knee is officially it's it's he has a leg thing it feels like every so often he has knee tendinitis on and on over the last few years so his first game back from that obviously it's always a priority for defenses to stop him Giannis not having a good game four for 11 13 points still eight rebounds seven assists you know for any role player it's an incredible game for Giannis. Yeah. It's a bad game. It sure. wasn't a good game for him. Um, but I think if he's on, maybe it doesn't matter that they get a little sloppy and, and they stop getting any sort of calls. But he wasn't. So, you know, the Bucks. this is something they've struggled with a, a good deal recently in recent weeks, I would say, is they're letting guys leak out. Like even sometimes on missed shots, they'll give up basically open layups. That happened several times in this game. Some really sloppy three-point defense. Um, which is a shame because it seems like every time it feels like they've really turned the corner on three-point defense. And, of course, I tweet it, and then they give up like three open tweets, which is like the law of tweeting about basketball yeah. games in motion. It's just how it always goes. Um, but fortunately, you know, Chris Middleton really brought it in this game. Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis had a great game, um, and the threes were falling for the Bucks early and, and throughout the whole game, and they shot 45%. But I think really it came down to – Bucks get a little complacent, get a little sloppy, way too much Brook Lopez centric offense late in this game. Uh Dante DiVincenzo's highs and lows will will hit you out of nowhere sometimes. Um and really they 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 lost it a little bit, and I'm just glad that they were able to pull it out and not lose their second Celtics game of the year on a horrible back breaking, buzzer beating shot. I don't know if you remember the Tatum shot in their yeah, first oh yeah, game I of do. the year. But it was a similar situation where the Bucks clearly deserved the win and just gave it away. They came so close to doing that again. But, uh, luckily, uh. This time it was Daniel Tice. Yeah. This time it was Daniel. <laughs> and it's funny. I said it earlier, and I don't think I actually posted it anywhere. I just said it in like our uh, podcast discord, but I was like, every shot Daniel Tice takes is a win for the Bucks. And that mantra really came in clutch in this game. But Hell yeah. it was very nerve wracking. Um, seeing him pull up so wide open though.
3: Um, here, here is one observation I had, and and this is probably for a Bucs fan and a, a Bucs host who has a lot of Bucs followers, a probably a tough, uh, question maybe, or maybe Ooh, not. We got, we got hard balls right away. Yeah, I, like I got to, I have to do it because it, it's my, my main observation comes from the last two offensive possessions for the Bucs. And this has been my thing with the Bucs. And I think a lot of people who don't probably follow the Bucs as closely as you do and your, and your listeners do is that the last two offensive possession for the bucks when they're up two Giannis doesn't take a shot or really have the ball in his hands one yeah. is initiated by Drew Holiday and it ends up being kicked out to Chris Middleton one this, the next one which was their last offensive possession Giannis has the ball he I think he got an offensive rebound maybe and then just and then gives it to Chris Middleton who then initiates the offense is that as concerning to Bucks fans who have been watching this team for the last few years as it would be to someone like me who's like, I got to have the ball in my best player's hands at the end of the game to create offense? Or has it just become a thing of where, no, we understand like that's not what Giannis is. That's why we went and got Drew Holiday. Now we have
2: two options at the end of games. It's a really good question. and I think it's kind of central to probably the ceiling of the Bucs and, and how their last two playoff runs have gone. I think sometimes i feel like the team has almost felt that that what you're describing of like do we need to get Giannis the ball and that's resulted in like the raptors series where they threw three bodies at him over and over and at that point he wasn't really equipped to beat that he's become a much better passer from that mid-tier area between the three-point line and the rim so he is better in those situations now i would have liked to see him get the ball a little bit more but i do think Counterpoint to that, um, and it's this interesting push and pull between, you know, basically on offense, if you're a great player, you're probably ending up on one of the two sides of a pick and roll in a late game situation. I mean, some guys will just ISO straight up, but mm-hmm. if you have, you know, a great guard and a great big man or, you know, forward or whatever it is, you're the initiator or the role man. I think Giannis is better as a role man. I see why the Bucks and Giannis want him to become better as an initiator because those are the players that you cannot ever scheme away right like you can't do anything to stop lebron with the ball in his hands late in the game he doesn't need anyone to do anything for him he can just go do it and it wasn't always the case i mean i think people forget you know that dallas series there's a lot of analogs i think to the the toronto series for Giannis, and that he wasn't equipped to beat defenses when they stonewalled him yet um so I, i think it's not automatically a concern for me to come all the way back around and actually address the question I would have liked to see him rolling, though. And I do think that's that's my answer is he can initiate in those situations. Sometimes they've done more dribble handoffs and fake dribble handoffs, which have been a lot of fun with some of the dangerous shooters they have on the roster this year. But if he's rolling in pick and roll and the right play is for Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday to take a wide open pull-up shot from the mid-range or to hit a wide open three-point shooter, I can live with that. I hate it. I think the very last possession you're talking about, that was when... Giannis passes to Chris. It kind of looks like they're going to set up that pick and roll. And then instead they go for this contested lob to Brook yeah, Lopez the, over yeah, Marcus Smart. It was garbage. It was an absolute garbage execution in that situation. And right. that's where I'm like, I don't need Giannis to pound the air out of the ball in that situation, but I do want him involved in the play. I think he absolutely has to be involved at least to that extent in every single play. So that really frustrated me. Yeah. Um, I didn't understand the, the execution at all. And that's kind of the kind of the criticism of, Chris Middleton is that he'll have moments of pure greatness where he's going to, you know, hit, uh, hit five shots in a row and defenders faces. And then sometimes he'll fumble the ball away or attempt whatever the hell that was.
3: Well, I do. And I will say, well, I will say this. I think ultimately when it comes down to playoff time, this is what, that's where the drew move yes. is going to benefit you guys. Like I Absolutely. saw you tweet during the game. Like I think we underestimated how good drew actually is. And I, that's, just kind of the story of drew holiday's career, right? I mean, he's been underestimated at every stop. Uh, now Alex, my co-host, is a Philly guy. So he's been watching drew since the beginning. So he's always been high on drew. Um, we talk about new Orleans all the time on the here and how they've struggled this year. And he wholeheartedly blames it on the fact that they don't have drew holiday anymore and that it's Mm -hmm. really messed with their flow. Um, and we were really high, even with, you know, people were back and forth on the Bucks. you know, how much they gave up for Drew, but we were really high on it because just to be honest, we're both really low on Eric Bledsoe, not big fans of Eric yeah. Bledsoe, which I guess I would imagine after the last couple of playoffs, the Bucks fans are probably not the highest on him either. So I, I think that's going to benefit you guys. If you, I mean, I was going to ask you before I even saw the tweet since it's trade deadline and we're talking trades a lot at this point in the season, with what less than thirty games left, the way the bucks are playing, how do you grade the Drew trade at this point? A plus yeah,
2: A plus, no hesitation, a plus it's at every good Drew game, you're going to see a lot of tweets from Bucks Twitter, and it's basically just people saying, "Can we send the pelicans some more picks?" This, <laughs> this might have been This might have been a, a ripoff in in the other direction. Um, I, I thought it was funny. I mean, I think people killed the bucks for a long time for being too inactive. And then they give up like first round picks in 2025 and 2027 with a reigning two time back to back MVP on the roster to get Drew Holiday. And suddenly they, they're paying too much. I don't care about the picks, man. Like they've blown enough low end first round picks in my time covering the team to where if, you know, DJ Wilson was just jettisoned off the roster. Um, Malcolm Brogdon was a second round pick. Um, Dante DiVincenzo looks good. I'll, I'll give them Dante DiVincenzo. Um, but like Rashad Vaughn was one of their mid first round picks. Like those are the guys you end up with more often than not, right? Like you can get good players there, but Mm -hmm. you get a lot of DJ Wilson's and Rashad Vaughn's in the lower first round Thon maker 10th overall. So give me a guy like Drew Holiday, who is older than Giannis, but certainly their primes align, at least for the next few years. I think the hope is, and the expectation is they get a contract extension. So he'll be around for a few, a little while here. I'd like to see that done. I would (laughs) sleep a little bit easier at night if they, when they actually put pen to paper there. But I think for what he adds, and especially you, you nailed it, it's the playoffs, getting that other initiator you can really trust. I mean, he's never going to be talked about with like the Kyrie Irvings of like handles, but I've got to say his handle, his combination of and having the ball on a string at all times, he's got perfect control and his strength just allows him to go get buckets. He doesn't have to get around a guy. He'll just go directly through somebody and lay the ball in. His control around the rim is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And the Bucs needed that dimension. I mean, Eric Bledsoe, really good guy, but flipping from him to Drew Holiday around, I think, an improved roster outside of that even, but you know, still with Chris, still with Giannis, still with Brooke Lopez, etc., it's like a massive difference to them being able to actually execute. They didn't do a good job tonight. I think Drew was a little banged up. It looked like he tweaked a knee. Yeah, I saw that
3: at the end. Yeah, the he end. stayed
2: in the game. So hopefully nothing serious, but the Bucks have been a little lackadaisical with leaving guys in. Hopefully nothing, uh, nothing major there. But the, the ability they have and their ceiling now of executing in these late games and in half court offense, it's just, a, it's a different stratosphere for this team.
3: Absolutely. And and then you didn't even, and you mentioned all that and you didn't even mention, which I know you know, but one of the best two-way point guards in the, I mean, yeah. defensively is one of the best point guards there is. And he can guard any six, what, six, six. So he can, he's switchable. I mean, he could switch on the, he could switch probably three guard, three positions, yeah, sometimes definitely. four, depending on how small the lineup is. Right. So um, now before we talk about a couple other roster things, and I actually, even is fascinating to me because I think his progression has been this year in particular has been incredible, but despite everything that happened tonight, the win's a win. So yeah. what's it now? 13 of the last 14 um, hottest team in the NBA. I mean, other I mean, think it's the only other team that you could really put in that category would be Phoenix, the way they've played over the last 25 or so games. But, um, you know, I was very critical of this team when they lost five in a row um, when they were, you know, I think they were like 16 and 13 I, th- I wasn't sure where things were headed, and then this run ha- wh- Where? What do you attribute to this turn? This I guess this run and this turnaround from they looking pretty rough in that stretch.
2: Yeah, they certainly were. Um, probably the lowest that we got ever on Eurostep on Chris Middleton was the back-to-back Raptors games in that run mm-hmm. where they just they kept sending doubles. So that the one thing you should we should note. Drew out for a lot of those games. And I think that made a huge difference. So that's, that's, right. that's the first thing that I attribute. He gets back, he gets going. They're just such a different team. I mean, it's there, there's good players and there's players who can make a difference in momentum. And I know there's a lot of people who will say momentum's not real. There's no stats behind it. I don't care about any of that. Sorry. I, I like stats. Don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-stats, but I am a believer in momentum. And I think Drew Holiday is the kind of guy who can shift that like just in one play. He can just go out and do that. And that's the kind of thing you need to go on a run like this. When the game is in the balance, Drew is the kind of guy who can deliver it to you. But also, I think even bigger than that, I think Giannis got a little bit more comfortable with some of the schematic changes the Bucs have made this year. I think the Bucs got a little bit better at executing, especially some switching stuff on defense. But Giannis really looked like Giannis for most of that run. Earlier in the season, good numbers. You know, he'd have like 22. He had a lot of assists in some of the games. He was really finding shooters and players in the dunker spot, which is one of the changes they made, is getting more players cutting out on the baseline to make it easier for Giannis to find somebody when he does get doubled or tripled. But he just didn't look quite right, you know? He's just a little bit too passive. During that run, the, the two things that I'd say has changed the most. And aside, you know, getting more comfortable with schemes is nice, but Drew comes back, and real MVP Giannis comes back mm-hmm. and puts himself in that conversation. And then suddenly they just started blowing the doors off teams. I mean, yeah. with with Drew playing well and Giannis playing like at peak Giannis levels, they're just really hard to beat, especially now that, you know, Pat Cotten, a, a, a maligned contract by myself as well over the summer, suddenly shooting around 40% from deep is a huge change for this team. Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis are both absolute snipers this year it's so hard to stop Giannis in a normal circumstance but in this newer offense with a better you know co second guy drew and chris now mm-hmm. with all these shooters it's just like the team becomes a little bit of a buzzsaw and they that was on display for three quarters tonight at least. yeah
3: um yeah the Bryn forbes is it's so funny i feel like every like third game that we cover that we hit on this show we we look at the you know you watch some of the you either watch the game or you watch the highlights and then you look at the box and it's like Bryn Forbes, seven of seven. For yeah. three, <laughs> It's <laughs> remarkable. And then, I mean, Dante look coming out of college. I thought he, that list of busts that you named, I thought he was going to be on it. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I liked him in college. I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of, I thought he would got hyped up because of that run. And even in his first year, I thought, I don't know, man, but it. The way he's shooting the ball now, he's become such a valuable player to that team. It's pretty remarkable. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Giannis and the, the MVP play. Um, it's really interesting because we've, we've also said on this show that no matter how good he plays this year, he can't win MVP because voters just won't vote for him. But the way the league is you know, crumbling right now, it seems like he actually now has a pretty real chance if he keeps playing this way, and, and particularly if they keep playing this way, Embiid. Who knows? He may not play a ton in the second half because he, you know, just he's Embiid. Then and, le, and LeBron, like if AD comes back and, le, and the Lakers are even halfway competent in winning some games with AD, LeBron won't play a ton. Why? Why would you? Yeah. So just by attrition, him, Jokic, and I guess Harden would be the guys.
2: Yeah, Dame. I think in that conversation. Oh yeah, Dame. Now. Dame's been my pick, but I just don't yeah. think Dame's going to get enough traction. I don't. I, I think they'd have to be top three at the end of the year. I think. I think he, he or Jokic, if they're top three at the end of the year, is going to have a really good chance. um We'll see with Embiid, Harden. I don't know. I don't know if Harden's really going to win it. it. I guess it, it's the same thing. I totally
3: Embiid. disagree with him being in the conversation. To be honest, but I guess I see what people are saying, but. I mentioned this yesterday with Dan, and I probably mentioned it with Jabari. I think a lot of what people are talking about with Harden being MVP is based on the fact that he's doing it on a team that they think can win a championship. And they only think this team can win a championship because they think Kevin Durant's going to be there. If this was a team of just James Harden and Kyrie Irving, people would say he's doing a lot of similar things to what he did in Houston, which is lead a mediocre team.
2: That's a great point. Yeah, I think uh, it's ironic, right? Because if Harden, uh, excuse me, if KD is there the whole year then I don't think either guy is in the conversation. MVP sure. voting is kind of stupid. Yeah, KD um, was
3: kind of yeah. – he was in the mix. Like he was at yeah, 30 at the beginning. It was yeah, super it was early, but there. yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, it's funny. But yeah, I, I agree with you though. I, I mean, I think I think Giannis would be in the conversation regardless at this point. I don't think if the whole field is healthy, he has a real chance of winning. I still don't know if he has a real chance. Again, Jokic and the Nuggets go on a tear. Dame and the Blazers go on a tear. And Bede comes back and plays more than we think. Harden has some memorable performances and KD sits out a lot. I think all of those guys are probably going to have a better shot just because it's, as I said, it's a weird award. There's a lot of weird politics and and unwritten rules that get bent and this way and that way. So, um, you know, I'll be fine if he doesn't win. I hope he's at least considered. Uh, I get it. I get the playoff thing. And I know there's people who say, well, it's a regular season award. Should it matter? I don't know. But I do get it. And it's, I don't know. It's a moving target. Like you said, it's a moving target.
3: It's like is it the best player on the best team is it the best stats regardless of team i mean you know it, it changes every year it's so the best
2: story like exactly. brand the builder at the end of game of thrones is there's, there's no telling how it's going to shake out
3: it's the narratives and and you know a lot of times with voters they like to at least in my estimation having worked with some voters in the past and just seeing the way voting trends to and ends up trending they like to create their narratives before the season and then see their narratives play out at the end of the season.
2: Nobody likes to be wrong. Right. Exactly. A lot of people don't. Right. I don't think no one likes it. Some people handle it better. Yeah.
3: And I think the, the Embiid and LeBron stories are just better for the narrative. Like, you know, all of these, there's a lot of media people who for years have been saying if Embiid would just, if he would just shut up and go down into the post and not shoot as much, he could be dominant if he stayed off social media and all this stuff and now he's he's shutting up and he's playing the best basketball of his career and then all, there's a lot of guys who can now say remember i said if, if Joel Embiid just shut up and played he could be good and then with lebron it's just like the whole like okay
0: we could have given him envy we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
3: every year and he's 36 so now let's just give it to him
2: yeah not that
0: yeah. he
3: doesn't
2: deserve it but i you know yeah uh, i think both guys had cases but i think you'd certainly do see some a lot of goal moving when it comes yeah. to these conversations but fatigue
3: is real i mean we've seen lebron yeah. fatigue forever so voter fatigue for a guy you know winning three in a row it's tough it's tough yeah. um the last thing before we start getting to some of the other teams in the east and you know kind of take a gauge of where the East is at as the trade deadline and look at some of these guys who've been talked about. The economy is made up of real people doing
1: real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to.
3: Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. At this point, outside of, you know, the the Harden trade earlier in the year and the Drew trade and like the offseason trades, at, at, and in terms of leading towards trade deadline trades, you guys have made the biggest splash at the moment, which is trading for PJ Tucker. Um how do you feel about him so far and how what was your guys reaction when you got him?
2: It's funny because leading up to it, I was actually kind of anti-trading for P.J. Tucker. Um, I just, you know, you look at the numbers in Houston, and I didn't. I'm not I'm not going to lie, I didn't watch a ton of P.J. Tucker in Houston, but it was just, you know, the question that mattered with P.J. Tucker when any team looking to acquire him was, is he washed or does he not give a damn about the Houston Rockets, right? Like those are the, it was one or the other thing was happening. Maybe a little bit of both, but it was probably going to be primarily one or the other. And I, I thought he was washed. I'm not going to lie. And seeing him play now for a team where he obviously has much more impetus to care. It was a, it was a slam dunk move. Like he, he did a slam dunk. the corniest thing you can say with best with basketball yeah. analysis it's a home run move. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's going to have many slam dunks though. Um, the defense, <laughs> the defense is really good. Um, he's very active. He's, just great on that end. Tough rebounder, gritty guy. Uh, He's made one total shot, I think, or I don't know, one corner three. Um, He's barely attempted any shots, but I put out today, if he makes one three every two games, it was such a good trade because they don't need that guy to score a lot. They really just needed a better stretch forward to unlock better Giannis at the five lineups. And he certainly does that. So I don't yeah. think teams are going to leave him wide open. I don't think it's quite to that extent. And it wouldn't surprise me if he had one of those inexplicable playoff games where the guy makes like four threes or something. I, oh, absolutely. Like, he's
3: one of the best corner three point shooters yeah. in the NBA. I think he's made the, over the last three or four years. He's made the most corner three than anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also I love PJ. Um, and I admittedly, like I like, think like this year I didn't watch a ton of Rockets, but you know last year I watched a lot. Um, I think he's one of the most underrated defenders in the NBA, too. Yeah. Because for a guy who's built the way he's built and is not known as an explosive player, his lateral quickness and the way he moves his feet, like he could switch on to one through five and he can, and he can guard one on one. Not, I mean, he's not shutting down the LeBrons and the Kai and the Kawhi's and those guys, but he can stay in front and he can guard guys. Like you're not afraid to play him in any lineup, whether it's at the four or the five. I'll be interested to see how they use him because I noticed tonight. He mostly was at the four. Yeah, I Um, think that's how it's going to be. Yeah, I'd be interested. Although when he's with Portis, Portis is more of the five defensively and the four offensively because Portis is more of a skilled stretch type player. So I guess in the second unit, it's that way. Um, I also think it was like a genius just case of uh, playing chess and everybody else playing checkers because when you looked at it, I think fit wise, there was other teams in the East that desperately needed him more than the Bucks did. So, if more than anything, like you keep him away from the Nets, the Heat, and the Celtics.
2: Yeah, yeah. The the Heat went out and got Trevor Ariza, I'm much happier getting PJ Tucker than Ariza. Absolutely. And also, I I think I I kind of alluded. I wouldn't say alluded. I was going there and got distracted just by talking about how great PJ Tucker's been. But the trade itself made it a no lose because. I was concerned they'd have to give up something of note to get PJ Tucker, which is part of the concern. And instead, DJ Wilson, who is, you know, just was never going to play a significant minutes, was heading into free agency, a non-factor. DJ Augustine, the most disappointing contract they signed this summer, bar none. He just didn't, didn't fit in with the team like they had hoped. You know, I think the anticipate, the, the expectation was, He's going to lead the offense a little bit when two of the three top guys are sitting. He's going to hit his open threes. Obviously, he's going to have problems defensively being 5'11", but if he does all those other things, it'll be worth it. Didn't really deliver on offense at all. Um, was starting to hit some threes before they moved him, which maybe helped facilitate that. But on a three-year deal at his age and size, that thing was looking like an albatross. So they get yeah. off of both of that, basically move back a pick they owed to Houston a year, and then exchange this year's first, which they could only do that trade with Houston. It's a little fascinating thing because they had to get their own pick back to trade the pick this year. But in exchange for the pick this year, they get Houston's second, which looks right now like it's going to be about four picks away from Milwaukee's first with no trade restrictions on it because it's a second-round pick. The Steppian rule doesn't apply. So either they can use that pick and get a more cost-controlled player because the salary structure changes a lot from right. late first to early second, or they can trade it with more flexibility than they would have been able to before. So if you look at it from that way, getting PJ Tucker is almost the cherry on top. Like the actual construct of the deal just rules. And it was like, I don't know why that I guess the market wasn't as hot as people thought. I think, you know, the Brooklyns of the world were just really hoping it was going to be a buyout situation, but it really worked out well for Milwaukee and John Horace. I very, very impressed with what they managed to pull off there.
3: Yeah, that pick I didn't even realize about the picks because that that pick is extremely valuable. Yeah. That that pick, I mean, becomes a top five pick in the second round is more valuable than probably the back ten picks of the first round. So exactly, it's it's pretty impressive. Um, all right, let's take a look around the rest of the league tonight. Like I said, not a not not like a, a ton, not a slate of games that you want to really dive into. A lot of uh, a lot of blowouts, but one of the blowouts is, which was a remarkable one is Toronto beating Denver 135-111. Just two nights after, Pascal Siakam says whatever he said to Nick Nurse. gets fined $50,000. I made the case yesterday that they were going to completely blow up this team, that it wasn't just Kyle Lowry, Norm Powell, that everyone should be on the table. Then they go out and do this. But in addition to this, we see at the end of the game, Kyle Lowry walking off, waving to the fans, gets in the tunnel, looks straight into the TV camera, waves goodbye and looks pretty emotional. And I think the majority of people out there believe that that was him saying, I'm out, like, let's, let's go. And now, uh, obviously, we the reports around Kyle Lowry have been f- fast and furious all week, mainly if he decides he wants to leave Toronto Miami and Philly were the front runners. Woj today said, look out for potentially the Lakers. So now he's got now three. Now we got three fan bases that are basically like wrapped. Got Kyle Lowry's got them wrapped around their finger because where does he want to go the most? It seems what is, like is what's going to happen.
2: Yeah. Um, a powerful moment for for the Raptors um, and their fans, for sure. And it's, I think it's cool. they. Assuming he goes, which I, I think at this point, I mean, yeah, he literally threw up a peace sign to the camera, so it feels like a pretty good bet. Um, assuming he goes, at least amidst what's been a pretty awful season for them from Tampa, no less. It's cool they got to have that moment. And from what it looked like to me, I wasn't watching closely with the Bucks game on, but like vintage Lowry game. I think early he had. One missed shot, zero points, and they were like plus 22 in his minutes or something. Just like the most classic Kyle Lowry. Kind yeah, well, of actually, here's the stat. He finished
3: the game plus 42. It's the second highest plus minus in franchise history.
2: Of course. Yeah. He probably had the first two. Or and he or took something. five shots. Of course, five yeah, shots. Yeah. Advantage Kyle Lowry, which is why I really hope, and I hope I'm not jumping the gun, but not East. Send <laughs> that guy to the West. I've had enough of Kyle Lowry in playoff <laughs> series for my whole life. Um, but I think it's a cool moment. I, I do wonder though, if there's anybody in the league who would, you know, say, wherever you want to go, Kyle, we'll facilitate it. And then maybe play that into a desperate, unknown, dark horse candidate who's willing to give up more young players or draft picks. It would be Masai Ujiri. I feel like. Kind of a, yeah. a cutthroat guy at the bargaining table. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you can't do that with Lowry. It's just something that crossed yeah. my mind as we were yeah. talking. I, I, I don't it, know. it is,
3: you know, I think it for Masai's, for his popularity, it wouldn't be smart. But for his future, it might be smarter. Not that Masai's in any jeopardy. Yes, it's I, not an
2: extension. So I, it's it's complicated. It's a very it
3: complicated situation. And it's, and and I think like, you know, I talk about it a lot on this show, like they put it, they gave a lot of money to a, a handful or three guys that I don't think are really the core of a championship team. Yeah. And now they're in a situation where they have all these, they have Norm Powell, who lo- looks like, according to Woj, half the league has reached out about him because he has a player option. You're gonna have to pay chris boucher if you want to keep him so they're in a situation where they have all these fringe guys who they're paying all this money to so yeah i mean it makes sense if you're messiah to like try to get value out of it
2: i don't know if it'll happen i I think i just thought of another reason why it won't i think lowry kind of controls his own destiny more than i'm giving him credit for because there's extension talks wrapped up in this and i think if you are going to give up a boatload you probably do want that two-year 50 50 million dollar extension He's been yeah. talking about. So, right. He can and let's do that and refuse to sign if he And,
3: like, interestingly, like our guys, Miami Heat beat from Blue Wire and then the other guys down here from South Florida, where I'm at, have said, like, multiple reports have said, it is literally Lowry's choice. Miami is ready. Like, they've said yeah. Miami will pay, will give him the two year, $50 million extension. They've made offers. I don't know what the offer is now. Actually, our guy, the, the Heatbeat, just put out a pod about an hour ago saying that. Um, if a deal happens for Lowry, it would mo- almost certainly involve Cleveland and Golden State, and it would end up being a four-team wow. deal. They didn't—they didn't really say who the principals from the, all the teams are, but they were of the belief that Olynyk would go somewhere, and Jetty Osmond would end up somewhere, and Kelly Oubre, who, Oubre yeah. who's being shopped, would move maybe to Cleveland, and then pieces, you know, to make mm. the money work. We'll see. Um, they did that as a breaking news pod that the Warriors nice. are. It was it was good. So, yeah,
2: um, awesome.
3: it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. I, it, and I want to. I'm interested to know where you think would be the best spot for him. But I I, do, I should say, like we we should give conti- like give. I guess as they say, like give Lowry his flowers for what he accomplished yeah. in Toronto because it's even more remarkable when you just look at the arc of his career. Right, gets drafted by Memphis, gets shipped out of town in for the for Mike Conley. Goes to Houston, plays pretty plays decent for them, gets shipped out as they're getting James Harden in. So in his third team, he ends up becoming the best player in franchise history and an NBA champion. Doesn't happen that way very much. When you get traded three twice like that, and it looks like you're a career, you know, transition guy. Like you start to you start to get that narrative of like, oh, he's the guy before the guy. And he yeah. ends up going to Toronto and becoming a perennial all star, and arguably, I don't think it's really an argument. The best player in franchise history,
2: I think greatest is just cleaner. Yeah, I think Pete Kawhi is probably better oh, than Pete yeah, Lowry, but best. certainly and Bosch, greatest, Pete yeah, Bosh, yeah, certainly greatest Raptor. And yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a real case against it. Um, his his number is going to be in the jerseys, or his number is going to be retired. Um, I meant to say, I think it's even more impressive when you look at. Like he gets to Toronto, and first his rep is he built there is he's a playoff choker. He's the opposite of what he ended up being and I think something I've been thinking about more kind of as the bucks go this season, and even as like trade guys are thrown around like Evan Fournier, I think is less high profile because he plays in Orlando, but is kind of as a similar rep of like the the numbers don't carry over into the playoffs and someone said, who cares if fournier Goes to like uh, Philly or Miami or wherever. Like if the guy doesn't show up in the playoffs, the Bucks shouldn't be concerned. And my thought, and this is something I think about a lot. Now, a guy is a playoff choker until he's not, right? Like until he's in the right situation um, and he gets better players around him and he just gets better. And I think Kyle Lowry is is proof right there of like mm-hmm. you can turn that narrative around. The book is not closed until you hang up the the kicks for the last time. So. Yeah, I think super impressive turnaround from him getting bounced around from team to team, kind of always the bridesmaid, never the bride, to being the most important player in a franchise's history probably for quite a long time. Um, yeah. Super impressive stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a good call. Out. It's as much grief as I've endured because of Kyle Lowry over the years, he absolutely deserves it. He's a, a great player
3: the narrative thing is actually really interesting the way you put it, because we were seeing the same thing in Miami with Jimmy Butler, who was yes. a cancer everywhere he went. And then he goes to Miami, he goes to the finals. And I think we're also seeing it sort of in an opposite way, potentially with Kawhi leaving Toronto, going to the Clippers. If they get bounced early again, now it's like, well, was it, I, we know he's a, a, a talented player, but maybe not really a leader, you know, like his yeah. narrative is sort of being flipped the opposite way. So it's interesting. Um Obviously, you would prefer Lowry to go to the Lakers. Yes. Is there a team you think he would fit better with? Because I know a lot of – I've seen a lot of media people uh, or a lot of people in general just say they think he's a better fit in Philly. I know he has a great relationship with Jimmy Butler. um, so. you know, and heat fans are dying right now. Like they are literally dying. It is crazy. Heat Twitter. I tell you doing my other podcast, I do this other show with North Cole about the heat. So now I'm like fully entrenched in heat Twitter for the first time since I left uh, working in when I was working in the NBA and it is, it's fun, but it can get real, real uh, dark (laughs) when you're going through these tough times and they are, (laughs) they're calling for it, man. These guys want Kyle Lowry real bad.
2: So I think fit wise, you could probably argue Miami is at the same level or similar or, or even a greater fit than Philly. I certainly, you know, I don't want any part of a team with Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry on the yeah. perimeter. I mean, that's just a nightmare to play against in a seven game series. And not to mention, I mean, they're keeping Bam. So it's those guys and Bam out of bottom. that's just that's a, a squad. right? That team there.
3: versus your Bucks, like that's a eight, that's a those games are in the 80s.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is like – uh I mean, the Bucks are better. They're better equipped to d- deal with the Miami style of just like making the game slogs and, and everything. But um I, I don't want any part of that. But I really don't want any part of him on the Sixers. So I think people talk about him on the Sixers just because I think they get better with him than Miami does just because they're better now. Like they're a really good team. I think – I think it must be tough to think about the fact that they really could have had James Harden with this version of Embiid. I think that team is just like crushing the <laughs> league personally, like a lot of question marks with those two guys, but the potential yeah. of Harden and Embiid pick and roll over and over. I don't know what you do about that. If you have Seth Curry and whoever else, Tobias Harris shooting. Um, but I think they they need that point guard who can move the ball around a little bit, space the floor. Obviously Ben Simmons is a great playmaker but not really in the half court because we all know no one's going to respect that shot and he's never given anyone a reason to and I think especially look at the playoff environment which is you know that's what these teams at the top of the East are thinking about right now I think everyone wants the first seed I mean the first seed in the East right now is quietly super important because you're guaranteed to only have to go through one of probably one of Brooklyn, Philly, Miami, or Milwaukee, um, whichever one you're not. So those three teams, I think, should be jockeying for it. But everyone wants playoff advantages. And I think Lowry does more for the Sixers just because right now you give Embiid in the post, you figure Simmons is just so limited in half court. They need Tobias Harris to do a lot (laughs) in, in close games. That's a worrying thought. He's had a great year. That's a worrying thought. He has totally not so. been one of those guys who can deliver you a, a win in close playoff game after close playoff game. Lowry taking some of that load makes them so, so much better, in my opinion. And I think they have the juice to go get him still. So I, I hope that Maury sits this one out again and lets it ride, but they could be very scary to me if they add Kyle Lowry to that core.
3: That's interesting. Yeah. It's weird the, the I think the Lakers being in it is, is weird. Like obviously I get he, he's, a, He's a bit of an upgrade from Schroeder, but what does that mean for Schroeder if they
2: are going to get Lowry? I just, it's a weird I, situation I for me. I don't see how it works, honestly. Like the Unless they're giving up Schroeder. I yeah, think I mean, they almost have to. I mean, the, right. the Raptors aren't taking Trez. <laughs> yeah, I know. Trez uh, and Kuzma, Like, I, I don't see the interest there. Yeah, that's
3: an interesting one. I mean, it would probably be a multi-team deal. I think any yeah. of these are probably going to end up being multi-team deals. So, yeah, we'll see with Lowry. I think some of the points you made about Lowry with end of game stuff with Philly, I would, I could make a similar point about Miami. Even though you have Jimmy Butler, he, he, and he, you want the ball in his hands at the end of a game. And it's tough having him off the ball because he's not a shooter. He's also doesn't like, he's just, I don't know. There's something about him at in end of games where you don't totally trust. If he has to pull, if he has to end up with a pull, like a long pull up or a three, like, it's not really the guy you want. Kyle is more equipped for that. Uh, so it gives you another yeah. option.
2: I think they'd I think, run stuff with those two guys working off of each other. Some guard, yeah. guard pick and rolls. All, all, they'd, they'd get funky. I mean, we know will yeah, sure. bust out the Vega tricks. It, they, I think they'd certainly be better late game with, with Lowry out there.
3: Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. So elsewhere around the league tonight, the two other big name, biggest, I'd say, names that are almost certainly sounds like they're going to get moved were playing tonight. Uh, we could talk, I mean, Orlando just beat Phoenix tonight, which is absurd. Yes. Um, uh, obviously Aaron Gordon, a huge name or a name, one of the bigger names that's been on the market requested a trade. Now it sounds like maybe he's coming back off of that a little bit and they're not really know, but it does sound like he's going to be on the move. And Evan Fournier hit the game winner. Who's another guy who it sounded like could potentially be on the move in the discussions in the Boston discussions that were reportedly had, Fournier and Gordon were part of the deal that potentially for Marcus Smart, um, I don't know if Fournier, is, whether he's auditioning to stay or auditioning to go, Yeah, but this is a crazy win for them. Not that it matters, but Phoenix, because they're, they're a mess right now, but good win for them. But the Aaron Gordon situation, the latest on him is that now the Rockets and the Magic have had serious discussions surrounding him which also I don't understand, but there's also been reports that like eight different teams, you know, Boston, Denver, Houston, T-Wolves, a bunch of teams have reached out. It sounds like he's going to get moved. It's just a matter of, I guess, which of these teams is willing to give up the most.
2: Yeah. I wonder at this point, if we don't have other teams just throwing out, or Orlando throwing out names, or maybe even gordon's agency to like the agents yeah yeah there's so many teams interested let's drive the price up and, and get this guy somewhere else um, i feel
3: like the same thing with Oladipo, depot who yeah
2: didn't oh, play oh, to, yeah. He, oh, they yeah. got
3: blown out tonight again unfortunately but he didn't play tonight so you're assuming he's on the way out it sounds i i'm with you like a lot of these reports about both of these guys sound like they're
2: agent driven if I, I think some of the real reporting we've got on oladipo is like Nobody wants to take the swing right now because everybody knows he wants a massive contract. He has not played since coming back from his latest injuries as a guy who deserves that kind of a contract. The shot isn't really there. I feel bad for him. Um, You know, I think that first season with Indiana was such a renaissance for him. I just, I don't think anyone is buying that he's that player. And, you know, maybe somebody should t- – maybe maybe like a mid-tier playoff team with less to lose, but if you're like the Lakers or a team like – your Philly even, you probably get one big swing at the deadline when you're talking about a player who makes that much salary just because you have to match, and you're not going to have that much salary to move around if you're that good, right? Like it's tied up in your good players. Nobody, I think, contending for a title wants to take the swing on, on Oladipo. There, there maybe the Heat go and get him. I mean, obviously they have – um, some, some big salaries there that I don't think they're too enamored with. So maybe that's their consolation prize. I don't know, but I'm, I'm interested in Aaron Gordon. Interested in, in your thoughts? I don't think he swings anything for anybody. Like, I don't, I don't think anybody gets Aaron Gordon and suddenly I expect them to beat the team I didn't before. I, he probably yeah, should they're... go somewhere else. Like, he's been there for so long and never really feels like maximized his value there, but I, I don't think he's going to end up making a difference in this season.
3: Yeah, it's tough. He, his, he has, he really does have such a, such a high upside that, you know, we, we know that things can change so drastically based on situation. And we, and it's hard to know, like he's been, he's been, you know, they've been a playoff team, but really he's been on a bad team for most of his career. So you don't know like what does injecting him into a, if it is now, if he goes to Houston, no, it doesn't matter. Like, uh, why would you go to or the T wolves right now? Like they're a mess, but like, Boston? Who knows? I mean, maybe their front court is is brutal. I mean, and, yeah. and it would bring immediate stretch four who's shooting forty percent, and he's a great athlete, and can, and again helps and can they can continue to play their switching lineups now? If it means they have to move on from Marcus Smart, I don't know if that makes them right. better.
2: That's that's but, the issue I think with them.
3: But yeah, it it is a it's a huge toss up with Aaron Gordon because I do see the upside. I've always you know he it, it's there. And I always, and I always wonder about these guys who've basically played their whole career on shitty teams. Are the teams shitty because of them? Yeah. Or are they just a product of a bad situation? It could really go either way. You'll never know until it goes, but yeah, I don't see it moving the needle for a team to like, like, like if Boston did get them. No, I don't think that makes Boston a top four team right now, or even a top five team, maybe in the, in the East, which a lot of people probably thought they would be. So Um, And then all the other teams, you know,
2: Denver is an interesting one. I'm not sure what they'd have to give up. They never, they will never do it. At Denver is so frustrating, man. Go get somebody. You have all these young yeah. players. You have all these, all the, all their draft picks, I'm pretty sure. But then they're always like, uh, we, we would love Bradley Beal, but we're not going to include Bull Bull. Like get out of here. Like make a real move, Denver. You got Jokic playing like this. If you can get it. I don't know if Aaron Gordon's the guy for them, to be clear, but I, I'm so sick of Denver just because they're always like, we would love that guy, but Vlacko can I'm sorry, however it's pronounced is, is off the table. It's like, come on, come on, Nuggets. Yeah. I, Go you know,
3: I think it was like a week ago where I saw that they were discussed. They were interested in Aaron Gordon and that bowl bowl would be included. And I got very excited because I've been big on the free bowl bowl movement. Yeah, let him so play
2: somewhere. At least get-,
3: get him somewhere that appreciates him. Cause I love that guy. I mean, he may never be at- he may never be able to actually play major minutes in the NBA, but give him a chance. He's so damn talented. It is. Yeah. And he is so fucking fun to watch. It's crazy. <laughs> and the other thing about Aaron Gordon going there is, my my other concern would be how does it impact, you know, I think part of why people are looking at it is does he defensively replace what they lost for Grant's, Jeremy Grant, yeah. but also moving him in there, does it impact what we're seeing with Michael Porter Jr., which is an emergence of the guy that we, that a lot of people think he can be, which is a, a high, high level scorer and a solid defender. And, you know, does it take away touches from him? Maybe not, but He's looked really good. So I don't know. I think it would impact him too. So I, yeah, the Gordon thing is weird. Um, the Old depot situation is really weird. I don't know where either of them end up. It's just such a strange, such a strange thing. I don't know. We may not, we literally may not know till three o'clock. Or, yeah. And then they may not go anywhere because I think there is a lot of posturing going on. It's oh, yeah. a lot of teams trying to figure out how can they get this done for the, the least amount, right? And,
2: I, I think the guys playing tonight, was the ultimate fuck you from some GMs to some other GMs. I really do think, because I know a lot of people noted, yourself included, it's weird that some of these guys are playing. Usually, mm-hmm. you pull the guy. And I even heard that Oladipo was out for a legit personal reason and not I think just- a, I
3: think a friend passed away or something Yeah. Like that. So yeah.
2: Even, even Oladipo, who is like very obviously shopped, like everybody except- Andre Drummond showed up for this one, and Andre Drummond has been banished for a while now. Right. And, and LaMarcus is, is still gone too. But mm-hmm. all the major trade candidates are uh, played. I really think it was like uh, you know, everybody, I think, says in these situations, oh, we don't need to trade that guy. We love Aaron Gordon. We love Victor Oladip. We love the upside. We, we don't want to trade him. You really got to blow us away. I think they all said, we, we're serious. Look, he's playing. We play him 33 minutes. We want him so bad. You better throw in that extra first-round pick if you want to get that guy away from us. I think this is leverage next level because the league is in a weird in-between place. I think the play-in adds to it. More teams feel like they're involved in the playoff picture. Oh Yeah, that's a good point. And there's just like less of a clear, almost like hierarchy of available guys. I think everyone's looking at Aaron Gordon saying, I don't know, maybe And it's a little harder to talk yourself into Aaron Gordon than some of the guys we've seen moved in years past. So it's fascinating I, I think they're playing chicken right now i think at least one of gordon oladipo moves i couldn't tell you which one and i would yeah. say probably two of Fournier, gordon oladipo i really think orlando's trying to cash out on some of these guys but uh i, I, I just yeah i don't blame them either i mean they, they got to shift it up i mean you mentioned it from gordon's perspective but how long can you spin the wheels with vucevic fournier you know gordon um they they traded Oladipo when they shouldn't have for a terrible return Foltz has been good, but he's not lifting them out of what they are. So yeah, they should do that. But I think I think they're playing chicken right now. And and, and plus the plus side is like you mentioned with Fournier. Guy just hit a game winner, Boston or, or whoever, he's gonna change your season. Those yeah. two firsts. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Uh a guy who didn't play last
3: night and hasn't played in a little bit, but it's been an injury, supposedly, is Lonzo, yeah. who I, I, I talked about again yesterday. I just don't understand why he's on the block. I think he's too good for them. To, and I, and I tweeted earlier today, like he's trending towards a player that they are going to f- regret big time, not giving money to and keeping there. He's I, too good. The uh, Woj says the Bulls are a team to watch, which would be, that'd be, I think that's scary for the East because the Bulls, I think are a little bit ahead of schedule. Kobe White coming off the bench as a scorer off the bench and putting Alonzo next to Zach Levine would be really good.
2: And for a long time too. He is the perfect compliment to Zach Levine. And I think if the bulls could pull that off while somehow making Laurie markkanen who personally I get some Bargnani vibes from, if they make him the centerpiece of that trade, I think that's highway robbery. I agree with you. I think the Pelicans should keep Lonzo and figure it out. And the the most common rebuttal to that I see, besides folks who don't watch, you know, and Lonzo sucks. Sure, whatever. He doesn't. He's a very good role player now. Oh my god. Yeah. But it, uh, really good fit on teams with you know a lot of guys who need the ball. But it's like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna run out of salary cap room before they're good enough to contend with a title with Zion and blah 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 with uh, Lonzo and Brandon Ingram and and Zion. It's like. And you're telling me you can't trade Brandon Ingram whenever for a lot of stuff. Like, positive value contracts are good. You could trade Lonzo for a lot of stuff later on if you really need to. I think at this point, I've completely shifted. I think cap space is the most overrated commodity in basketball. Like, if you have it, use it, sure. But I think trying to open up cap space is dumb because you can just do, like, a sign-and-trade and use the salary pieces you have as weapons too and if they're good players then they're worth more than cap space so i'm with you i say keep lonzo figure out the issues there try to move on from bledsoe who i just i hate his fit with zion and steven adams i think steven adams is helpful maybe even look at moving on from him just again he and zion i just don't like that on offense but it's terrible yeah i, I don't th- i don't think lonzo's the issue I, I don't think i i agree with you i think they will regret it this time next year if they trade him to like the bulls and I don't think they'll be in a better place than they are now. Yeah,
3: I don't know how – I've seen some reports and I don't know how credible they are yeah, that yeah. that they would attach – that they would use Lonzo to potentially attach Bledsoe or Steven
2: Adams to get him out of That's there. That's not worth it to me.
3: No. No, I don't think so either. And I also think like as much as people are making a big deal about the contract, they're saying he wants $20 million. And it sounds like a lot. But in like two or three years, it may not be a lot of money for Lonzo Ball. Like he, I do think he's trending towards a top – 15, potentially top 10 point guard in the NBA. He may already be a top 15 point guard in the NBA. And like, you know, you're talking about Kyle Lowry, who's 35 years old, getting $25 million a year for two more years, or Lonzo Ball, who's shooting 40% from three and is a 6'6 guard who can now play off the ball and defend guard, like bigger guards at 23 years old for $20 million. You know, to me, it's like, the big guards that people are talking about in the trade market are Lowry and Oladipo. Everyone should be going after Lonzo Ball. If, it, if it's really a matter of twenty million dollars, hey, let's go get Lonzo Ball.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you have to figure out how to reroute Bledsoe somewhere else, now or later, you figure that out. <laughs> it's exactly. not not speaking as a Bucks fan. It's not that hard to do. Yeah. I think there's a lot of upside with Lonzo. I think yeah. I, I agree with you, which doesn't make for a great podcast necessarily. Uh, at yeah. least not an adversarial one, but uh, no, it's is good. And, and if they're smart, they'll keep him, but uh, they've made some odd decisions uh, yeah. since David Griffin came in. They're stacking their
3: mini OKC, except they have more talent right now, just stacking draft picks, you know? Yeah. Um, which is another thing I hate mean, you know, like, you know, how many of those draft, you, you can't, draft 30 players they're not going to pan right. out you know it's p- t- sort of to your point earlier you know all these late first round picks they're not going to pan out they, they mean nothing everyone talks about how draft picks are like the currency of the nba right now but you know, how many draft picks can you use you just you, it just doesn't work
2: it just really yeah. doesn't work i think i think okc is going to be poised like if they get a cade cunningham this year I think within a year from drafting him, they cash in a lot of those for a guy like Alonzo who becomes available. And then suddenly you get SGA, Cade, or whoever, an ex-young player you then acquire who some other team like New Orleans is moving on. I think that's their goal. I hope they're not going to try and use most of these. And, I mean, if you're forced to blow it up with the weird Paul George thing, I don't hate what they've done. I, I get it. I think it makes sense for them. But I also, I agree with you. I don't love, like, the... Prostrating at the feet of Sam Presti every time he gets a twenty twenty seven second round pick for taking on a yeah. million dollars—it's not that big of a deal. I mean, you need players at some point, but mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm I'm kind of fence sitting on that one. But I I agree with your point that draft picks have become highly overrated in the league.
3: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the Cade Cunningham thing with them because I think I I think a lot of people are thinking this too. Is uh, tonight as of now they're now saying that shea has a long-term injury yeah and it just so happens that they're just way too good for what their roster is and they're ruining their pick
2: like they're playing way too well pressy must not be able to believe some of the lineups that he's put it out there for billy donovan or not billy donovan excuse me i forget the new coach's name now and Um, they keep winning these games it's ridiculous
3: yeah so I bet he's out for the year. I bet they, they shut him down because they, re- I mean, they're not getting Cade Cunningham the way they're playing right now. Yeah. So they need to, they need to start getting into tank mode. Um, you know, the, one of the guy one guy who did not play tonight, who I think could potentially be a the steal, a steal of this deadline. And he's probably going to be a throw in is JaVel McGee. I love JaVale McGee. He's
2: good. He's really turned. Talk about a guy like Lowry turned his career around. Oh my he God! Absolutely did the same thing. Three time NBA champion. The guy is. The guy is. He has a chance because
3: he's going to go to a, a contender probably oh, yeah. to be like one of the all time role players. He's going <laughs> to. He, he could get a fourth title and and if you watch Cleveland play, which most people don't because they stink. Yeah. He's good. Like he's not a bad player. If you play him fifteen minutes a game, he's a really good backup center at this point in his career. And he has championship experience. He's going to be a throw in. He's going to go to a a contending team and he's going to be good. And he didn't play tonight. So I got to think, uh, and he has been, you know, since, since they shut Drummond down, he's been their main backup center behind Jared Allen. So there you go. There's a guy finally, you know, they said, Hey, take a seat. We don't need, we We need you. We need you to be part of these three team deals. So please just, just stay healthy.
2: And I think they're also like, you know, we got you. We're not going to keep you around here. You're not going to sign after the year. We got our center we're excited about now. I think that makes this easier. Let's see if we can get a pick. I think he I think he gets bought out if they can't make a deal happen, but I don't think it should be that hard for them to make a trade. I was mocking DJ Wilson for JaVale for like a month because I, I agree with you. I think if you're looking for a backup center, I don't think you can do any better with guys who are available right now I think he's cut out a lot of the nonsense that plagued him earlier in his career. And I think some of the Shaqton and fool stuff was a, just Shaq being a jerk and B some just really, truly unfortunate mistakes. I don't think all of it was on JaVale. A good amount was. Yeah, Well, I mean, look, I, he, he was, he was, I was,
3: he was in a wizards organization. That was an absolute mess. Oh, he f- was drafted there with Nick young, you know, they're doing the the cinnamon challenge and like, they're you know, they're doing stupid stuff on yeah. camera. And then, they play with Gill, who does the, with the and Javaris with the guns. St- I mean, yeah, again, situational things with players, right?
0: Yeah.
3: If you get drafted to the wrong situation, your career is going to be over. He just happened to survive that bad part of his career and he's turned it around. It's rem- it is remarkable the turnaround that he's made in his career and, and he's good. He's like a yeah. good player. Like He doesn't, he does make some dumb mistakes still, but not like before where every time he touched the ball, it was like, all right, now he's going to be on the high, li- the low lights, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean it's every player's gonna have some turnovers. JaVale's just can be ridiculous sometimes, but if he's not doing it at a higher rate, it really truly doesn't matter, right? Like yeah. if his if his one turnover a game is a ridiculous one and you know, somebody else's is more boring, it's still one turnover per game. So yeah, I think uh I think he could help a team a lot. I think Brooklyn would be useful there. The Lakers could certainly use him. I know they apparently really want Andre Drummond. I think they'd probably be better off with JaVale McGee, but yeah. we'll see what happens.
3: Yeah, he my the first Cavs game I watched this year. The first possession I saw Javale McGee, he hit a corner three, and then the next possession down, he hit a step back jumper at the elbow, and I'm like, I love Javale McGee now. (laughs) I was like, this is my favorite player to watch in the NBA because it's almost like he could have played for any contender, but he decided, yeah, I'm going to go to Cleveland and just do whatever. I'm just going to play and have fun, (laughs) which is fun to watch for a guy like that. It's interesting. You mentioned Drummond; that's a great one because so there's. The three main buyout guys uh, that are that are really out there. We'll probably finish off with these three guys: Drummond, who reportedly a lot of people are saying will go to the Lakers. But it, interesting, and this is where you know this time of year the reports they get they get funky, right? Kevin O'Connor about two hours ago maybe put out a report to watch out for the Knicks in the buyout market for Andre wow. Drummond. An hour later, Mark Berman from the New York Post the Knicks are not going after Andre Drummond in the buyout market. So um that's, it's just funny, but uh yeah, the Lakers have been the team linked to Drummond the most. Uh You know, I, I, again, here we go again with a guy who has spent his whole career on in a bad situation. So what do we it's know? Fair. Like if he goes and plays for a championship team, he could be great for them. But uh you know, if he they're they're saying he would go there and immediately be the starter because I don't think they're happy with the way things have gone with Marc Gasol.
2: He just doesn't so. play offense anymore. He just – or at least he doesn't score. He likes yeah. to pass, but he just chooses to not shoot anymore. And that, that can be difficult to overcome despite all the other things that Marc Gasol does really well. Um, I don't know. I, I think Andre bought it on a good team is much better. I think everyone who plays with LeBron is going to look a lot better, sure. or most guys at least. I think he really, I just wish he had bought it more on defense, more consistently throughout his career. I know he's gotten DPOY votes because he rebounds a lot. Terrific rebounder, to be sure. He's just never been that great, impactful defender you would like a center of that stature to be if he's not going to be a knockdown shooter or a tremendous passer. Um, so I think his ceiling is not high. But again, the Lakers just aren't working with a lot. So I do think he'll probably get a, a refreshed Andre Drummond in L.A. I think he'd help them. You know, you could make the case that Jarrell could help them more. I'm not sure. Uh, I do think some of Dre's offense can come from him handling the ball a little bit, and mm-hmm. he's not going to do that at all when LeBron is on the court. But maybe when LeBron's not out there, he'll work with Shooter a little bit. I mean, it's for a no-risk move. You could certainly do worse. Guy's been an all-star sure. before, but I don't look at him as a huge needle mover either. Yeah,
3: um, and then the other two – Obviously, you mentioned LaMarcus. I think Aldridge, it sounds like he's going to the Heat. Like, it, yeah. it there hasn't really been any other teams at this point that I've even – I think maybe there were some teams before, but at this point, it just sounds like it's sort of a foregone conclusion unless in the 25th hour some team offers them something, but who's going to pay $24 million to yeah. bring that guy in? So it sounds like he's going to the Heat. And then the other one, it sounds like the Pelicans are buying out J.J. Redick, which is a really interesting one because, yeah. I mean, any team could use a guy like J.J. Redick if he's healthy uh nets are a team that it seems like he could really end up he has i know he has a he lives in brooklyn or he has a place in brooklyn um seems like a brooklyn guy uh (laughs) but um and it sounds like they're gonna buy him out with the idea that he's gonna go to like an eastern conference team
2: it's weird i I don't know um it's again it's the pj tucker question like is he washed or, or is it just not a fit there? Worst three-point shooting season of his career in, in several years now. Um, not starting anymore, which is weird. He's He's been a starter for, for quite a while. It wasn't always last year, but um, I, I actually don't like the Brooklyn fix. It's like you have Joe Harris, who is like the now much better version of J.J. Redick. And on defense, like Joe Harris, actually a good defender. J.J. Redick is the opposite of that. So, I mean, I guess, again, it's it's kind of like the Blake thing was with them for me. Sure, why not get him? I guess if it's free, I I don't think it's going to be a huge factor for them. It's like Bookie Cousins and with the Warriors, I don't know how much this is really going to matter. But I guess it gives you a, a, a shot, like a, a, a roll of the dice, right? Maybe it, yeah. it really works. I don't think it would matter, Um, but you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. But I really, I, with with Harris there, I really scratch my head at that one. It's like how many specialist shooters do you need on the team? And you have the best one in the league right now, basically. But if that's where he wants to go and, and they want to just keep uniting these ring chasers, why not?
3: Oh, that's what I was going to say. It's like, you're, you got three of the five players from Lob City.
2: Oh and, yeah. You know, oh yeah. I didn't even think of that. You know? That's a
3: good point. Um, And, but also it's just like, if he's going there solely to chase a ring and understands what his role is, he'd be the best like spot starter uh, five to 10 minute a game guy who yeah. randomly will give you a 15 point game when you need it. But if he understands, like, like you're only going to play if Joe's not playing or if, if Harden, you know, if we need you to play, then we're going to throw you in there to, to spots. Cause like he's, I, he's probably still better than like Timothy Luau Cabarro and Landry Shamit. Sure. Right. Yeah, so,
2: and Cork Moss and, and yeah. guys like that. Yeah. yeah.
3: So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, that's pretty much it. I do want to say before we wrap up, there's one game we didn't really talk about cause there wasn't many trade implications, but I want to shout out Karis LeVert tonight, 28 points clutch three at the end of the game. I love it. You know, it, it's scary for East teams because that team is getting healthy and they're pretty good. Um, but I just love to see Karis LeVert healthy and playing good basketball. It's such a, it's such a cool story. Every time yeah. he every time he steps on the court, it's a cool story. But now seeing him get back in the rhythm is very cool.
2: Yeah, I was down on that trade for them, um, and he's proven me wrong. Before, obviously, we found out about the, the terrifying medical situation that yeah. really made it one of the most complex and weird trades I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. The fact that that I think that he had I forget where, but he was basically diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. A yeah. cancerous tumor that had to be removed, and, and his, the fact and it, was, that, it was on his kidney, I believe. It was on his kidney. I think that's exactly right. And it's just such a the NBA is such a weird place because that that the result of that was an extra second round pick being involved in the deal. Like what kind of a weird, I know. what kind of a weird situation? But overall, just so glad that he's healthy and that was caught. One of the best times for any player to to be traded. Clearly, it really yeah. worked out. It's potentially um, saved his life. It's crazy. Seriously. Um, but so glad to see him back already and, and playing very well, and, and I hope it continues. I don't want to overshadow that. Do you buy that they're listening to offers on Brogden and potentially Sabonis? So,
3: you know, it's, I'm glad you asked because I don't, I absolutely don't believe, um, on the Sabonis, the Sabonis thing at all. Yeah, uh, I have a hard time believing Brogden too. It just doesn't make sense. Unless there's just like I saw one of the things said like they, they see they think Karis LeVert could maybe be a point guard for them, but I don't it's see that. Two
2: guys who can handle the ball though. Like that's yeah. my thing. I don't that's a weird that's like uh when the Kings didn't want to take Luca. It's like, oh we have Fox and he handles the ball. Two guys are allowed to dribble. Like we've seen this work. I don't think yeah. we should write off the possibility. I think maybe they would trade one of those guys if an offer was crazy. I don't expect either, especially Sabonis, but either to get traded before. Yeah, I mean last night Dan made the point that like
3: if anybody's getting traded from that team, it seemingly you would think it would be Miles Turner, maybe. For the fifth straight year. <laughs> yeah. Right. But i to me it's like, and I agree with what he said, we've still haven't seen this team fully healthy because they don't have TJ Warren. Like this is a dangerous team if you're if you have Brogdon levert tj Warren, Sabonis, and turner on the floor so it's just like um yeah i mean i don't i don't buy it um let me ask you something about malcolm brogdon
2: sure oh here we go
3: um i i think part of where i can never get fully on board with the bucks is when they let go of brogdon terrible move okay so uh, so yeah. that's a the buck so buck's fans sort of agree there that that should, never should have happened
2: yeah I sold myself on it at first foolishly the injury concerns are real I mean we've seen it crop up in, in his career since the move but it's like it's one of the one of the things that helped me learn that lesson about cap space or availability versus just having good players on fair contracts I think they would have been better off but I do think at the end of the day it worked out because they end up with drew I was going through this kind of mentally the other day. Let's say they don't do that and somehow maybe they get rid of Bledsoe. Do they go farther in the bubble playoffs? And then do they not feel the need to get Drew? Or do they still make that trade to maybe save a pick on the back end? Who knows? I think when you have Giannis, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, yada, yada, yada down the line, probably just laugh with the, 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 emoji where the guy's laughing, but he has the sweat bead. Yeah. That's my feeling on how it's all turned out. But yeah, I mean, not signing him and, and getting, you know, a couple picks and then saying he was a luxury when, you know, you didn't win it all. There's no such thing as a luxury on a team uh-huh. that doesn't win it all. Right. Uh, terrible move, terrible decision making. Thankfully they've, they've mostly undone it, but yeah, no, it was dumb. <laughs> it would have been yeah, a lot better okay. if they had him uh, all of last season and for that playoff run.
3: Yeah, no, I, I, I like, you know, I, it's it's I, it's interesting to hear that because I just, I've I've loved Brogdon since his rookie year. I just think he's such an ideal point guard in the NBA. So it's like, I thought it was huge for the Pacers and turns out, I mean, it would just be so weird to me if they traded him. I don't,
2: it, yeah, it's it just like makes... they should. That should be such a win for them that they got him. Like they were able yeah. to secure him. Like, I think that's the kind of things that, people underrate, like organizations love that kind of stuff, man. Like, yeah. I, I think Chris would be here anyway in Milwaukee, but like I think the Bucks are very proud that accidentally they secured him and developed him from a G League guy with the Pistons who was a throw in on the Brandon for Brandon night for uh, Jennings trade and now he's become this, you know, two time All Star or whatever it is. And like and even that,
3: Oh yeah. Go
2: ahead. It just means something to the teams and I feel like they they enjoy Keeping those guys around when it's like, oh, this is a symbol of of our team doing something very good out here.
3: Yeah, and even more for the for the Pacers because they signed him outright, right? Like yeah. free agents don't go to Indiana. No one <laughs> yeah, wants to tough. go to Indiana. So the fact that they signed a, a what turns out to be a big time free agent now, like, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that's it's again. There's it's all smoke. Like we, a we, lot of smoke. we we're probably gonna get to three o'clock tomorrow and have very few trades. Like it just. It's, it's, what we've, I, it's what I thought – that's why all this activity this week has been sort of weird to me in the first place because I just thought this can be slow. Like no one wants to spend money right now. That's why the buyout market is more – it seems like it's probably going to be more active than the trade market. Although this Kyle Lowry thing seems like it's real.
2: Yeah, I think that's going to that's gonna be the big one. Uh, it feels like to me. That's the one that I think could make an impact. Right now, I don't see anybody else who actually gets moved. Being a huge slash, maybe Fournier, maybe Gordon, but Lowry is the no doubt one to me.
3: Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, dude, Ty, this was uh this is awesome. This was fun. Um I'm glad I get to really dig in on the books because to because I honestly, you know, I watch them, but I have fallen into the trap of like, I don't know if I believe or not. So I want let me focus on other teams. I have fallen in this trap where I'm like, I feel like I know the books. Let me watch other teams to learn about them. But I don't, I probably don't know the Bucks because I feel like they are a very different team this year. So I'm glad I get to have, we got to have this conversation. Um, Eurostep podcast on Blue Wire podcast. It's the best Bucks podcast out. Ty Wind, at Ty Windish on Twitter, T-I, Ty spelled T-I-W-I-N-D-I-S-C-H. Go follow him. Great Bucks follow. Uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, let's do it again sometime.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, we got playoffs not too far off. We're gonna have to do this again. I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me, Joey. Much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciated. Yeah. It'd be nicer if I could talk, but Yeah. Hey,
3: look, no problem. Uh I appreciate you coming on. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Ruben Palacios, the sneaker king from CBS Sports guest host tomorrow. So looking forward to that one. The big one the biggest Lakers fan I know. So it's probably gonna be a rough day for him. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Later.